Welcome, I'm Anastasia Glova bringing you the Cato Daily Podcast. Full and edited versions of our podcasts are available on our website at www.cato.org. On Monday, the Supreme Court struck down a Vermont campaign finance law, finding its severe limits on expenditures and contributions unconstitutional. Here to discuss the meaning of the decision and the controversy over campaign finance is Cato founder and president Edward Crane. Monday's decision is a major victory for free speech, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is. The Vermont uh, laws were draconian in the limits on both contributions and expenditures, and the Supremes voted 6-3 to three to strike it down on constitutional grounds. So that is a great victory for free expression, free speech, and the First Amendment. In the decision in Randall v. Sorrell, is it clear on what to do in future cases where the facts are slightly different? It is not clear. Justice Kennedy himself said, uh, and he was in the majority, that the decision would probably make it uh, more convoluted in the future in terms of uh, campaign finance jurisprudence. You had some clear-cut decisions in the majority. Scalia and Thomas both said that we should revisit Buckley v. Vallejo and reconsider the contribution limits in that case. Actually, Stevens, in dissent, said he wanted to revisit Buckley, too, but for the wrong reason. He wants to impose spending limits. It's it's interesting. A lot of people don't realize this, but the original amendments to the 1974 uh, Federal Election Campaign Act that Buckley v. Vallejo addressed included contribution limits of $100,000 per congressional district. Uh, they were struck down. And an incongruous decision. The Supreme said that spending limits offended the First Amendment, but the contribution limits did not, as though the two were unrelated. Obviously, the less money you can raise, the less money you can spend. So at Cato, we'd like to see Buckley revisited, but for the purpose of essentially getting rid of it. What's wrong with taxpayer financing of campaigns? Well, Thomas Jefferson said, and I'm going to mangle this, but he said something to the effect that to compel a man to provide resources for the propagation of ideas with which he disagrees is both sinful and tyrannical. And that is a very true statement. Once the government starts funding something, it controls it. It will control who gets the money, how much money they get. And the truth is that money is a proxy for information. The government will not provide a lot of money for campaigns. That's just kind of the ethic in in the government business is that they want to get money out of politics. And one way to do it is say, well, we'll do it ourselves. But the Brookings Institution, the Washington Post, and the Kennedy School at Harvard did a study some years back of public awareness of Congress. Something like 80 percent of respondents didn't know the name of their congressman. So the idea that there's too much information getting out there and that you know, the money just provides information is ludicrous. Furthermore, the money is more important to a challenger than it is to an incumbent. From an incumbent standpoint, the less money spent, the better, because he or she already has the advantage of wide name recognition, big contributor lists, and it's a real handicap for challengers. The dramatic rise, the embarrassing rise in re-election rates for incumbents seeking re-election coincided with the Buckley v. Vallejo decision, which imposed $1,000 contribution limits, which have subsequently doubled, but in real terms are still smaller than $1,000 back in 74, 75. So to me, campaign finance reform is all about incumbent protection. And if you read the McCain-Feingold legislation, I mean, there's not a line in it that isn't designed to enhance the chances of incumbents getting re-elected. 
So do you believe that McCain-Feingold legislation is unconstitutional? Uh, Yes, it's blatantly unconstitutional. The idea that uh, an American cannot spend as much of his or her own money to promote that person's political views is ridiculous. I mean, McCain-Feingold makes it a crime to buy a television or radio ad within two months of a general election and even mention the name of a candidate for federal office. This is America. I mean, we have a 98.5% re-election rate, and we're going around the world Uh, lecturing people on uh, the need for democracy. Our democracy is fundamentally uh, dysfunctional, and that is because of McCain-Feingold. How else can we ensure that real competition in campaigns doesn't get drowned out by massive private contributions? Well, as long as you have full disclosure, I don't think massive contributions are a problem. You know, Gene McCarthy, who passed away recently, was a friend of mine, and he uh, used to say, and he was a liberal Democrat, Uh, that had the 74 amendments been in place in 1968 with their $1,000 contribution limits, he would not have run for president. He got large six-figure contributions from Stuart Mott and other wealthy liberals who opposed the Vietnam War. Nobody raised that as an ethical issue. Everyone said, well, those guys opposed the war. They're giving a lot of money to McCarthy so he can run. And in the process, they enfranchised tens of millions of Americans and knocked out an incumbent sitting president in his own party. And uh, so McCarthy says, you know, if this law had been in effect in 68, I wouldn't have run. American history would have been changed. Lyndon Johnson would have run for re-election. And election laws should not be designed in such a way that they change American history. As long as people are aware of who's giving the money, they can make their own decision about whether somebody's been bought or not. Challengers need large contributions. In fact, if you had access to large contributions, you'd get a better cut of candidate because a lot of decent people don't want to spend all day schlepping around to get $2,000 contributions. It would make it more attractive for people to run. The other thing that would make elections much more competitive, other than getting rid of the contribution limits, is term limits. You'd get more open seats. Open seats are always much more competitive. And again, I think you'd get a better cut of candidate, somebody who was willing to serve a term or two but didn't necessarily want to be a a professional career politician. This has been Cato Daily Podcast. Thank you for listening.